All right, guys, welcome back. We are here with another episode of the Guts and Grind podcast, welcoming my co-host, Saj and Abraham. I'm Siju Koshi. What's up, Saj? What's up, man? How's it going, dude? Dude, hanging in there, man. I'm really enjoying these interviews, man. It's just like, yeah. you know, some of these folks, you know, we know and we personally know, but, you know, we find new things out of these guys. And I'm like, wow. You know, like, I mean, you did that, you know, yeah. I wouldn't even known. And it's just, it's, it's been really good, like to kind of get these experiences, you know? Right. I, I agree, man. I'm, I'm loving it, dude. Cause it's like, like you said, like, you know, people like socially or whatever, but you never knew that they dove this deep into real estate, something that you're involved in as well. And it's like, you learn so much from these people. And that's what I love about this, like trying to build a community around the things that we enjoy, you know, continue to grow and learn. So I'm loving it, man. Like seasons one and two are great. You and me just talking about our experiences but the season three of like bringing in new people and getting their experiences and their stories like it's awesome it's it's really fun yeah i think yeah i mean you know you and i kind of align and we know what we what each other do but you know i think the people will love other people's stories and i think people thrive off of that right like i mean seeing new faces new experiences also just different coming from different stages of life right i mean that's that's also important right i mean some some may be newbie investors some are experienced you know multi-million dollar investors right it's just good to get perspective from different different people totally agree man totally agree yeah but this week you know we have vo super fun guy i mean he's kind of all over the place with with his businesses he's not just in real estate he's a dj he's he has a taco truck so i mean just awesome stuff this week and just kind of shows the power of real estate from a perspective of once you've grown, you can expand to other sides of businesses, right? Other things that you want to do. Like if you, if you wanted to focus on a dog shop, I don't know, whatever. I mean, it gives you opportunity. Right. And I think that's what it kind of highlights this week. I don't know. what do you think? No, I I totally agree. Like, uh, so that's always in the back of my mind, like this financial freedom or time freedom that you get through real estate. But I feel like this episode kind of paints the picture in real life. Because like, although I say that stuff, I'm in real estate, I invest and do all that kind of stuff. I still have my nine to five job. So it's not like I have my time freedom back. I'm just building some wealth for the family and stuff like that for future Sajin, right? Vo, on the other hand, one of the highlights for me was the creativity on his first few deals of like, how did you finance these deals? Like, that's all. It was so cool. That was one thing. But then also taking the leap of saying, hey, I'm getting my time back. I'm going to, I built a system. Now I'm going to get my time back and try different passions that I'm into. Like you said, the food truck, he's an entrepreneur in that food industry. He's a DJ. He's got that tech company with the DJ stuff. So like it gave him the ability to do those things and also to be there for his family and things like that. So it's just, it's a great episode. I think you're really going to enjoy it. Yeah. He quit his job. I mean, I think he just said, Hey, I'm done with corporate, you know, and just, and this was before he built everything. So really cool story. Excited to get there. So here we go. Take a look at it. You're listening to Guts and Grind with Siju and Sajin, making the real estate journey accessible to anyone. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Guts and Grind podcast. We're uh, here with Vo. So quick question, you know, how how are you doing and how did you get onto this podcast? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm good. I'm doing good. I appreciate you guys inviting me to talk about uh my life <laughs> <laughs> no we we really appreciate you jumping on man really you know we just we want to find out how did you kind of start out like career-wise and how did you kind of get into the real estate space right like this podcast is all about real estate investing if you don't mind sharing like what was your original career and then kind of how that segued into the real estate world sure so i got a minor in real estate in, in college 
And uh, just the real estate classes, there was one professor in particular, uh, John Bain. He was the director of the real estate department. Just the crazy wild guy. You know, you always had that one teacher or professor that like kind of changes your life. That was him. And uh, the first day of class, he showed us a check for $10,000. And that got me. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I want to do what he's doing. Yeah. (laughs) And basically, yeah, it was just, uh, you know, he was right. The only true way to get financial independence is rental properties. Not to interrupt you, but it's kind of uh, interesting how when you're in real estate, you're more willing to share numbers. Like for him to actually show a check, like, Hey, I just, you know, banked $10,000. Like you wouldn't do that if you had a nine to five job and be, Hey, look at my paycheck that I got this month. You know what I mean? Like, but it it gives encouragement, like for you, it triggered you to be like, I want to do that. Like I'm physically seeing someone I know doing something that I'm able to do as well and make good money. Like that's, I I think it's awesome. Yeah, no, absolutely. It was definitely motivating. And it's a little gratifying too, because you kind of want instant return, but that's not how it is in real estate though. There's no instant gratification. It's a real long-term strategy right? Especially when you're buying and holding. What did you do? What did you actually do, uh, come out of school with a real estate degree? Or you said that was like a, mi- a minor or did you actually... I got a finance degree. Oh, finance degree. Yeah, okay, so I you're... actually went into insurance into corporate right after college for about, I don't know, seven, eight years. Yeah. So, you, I mean, you're kind of in the real estate space still, right? Like uh, insurance, all that kind of, I mean, I'm sure it's probably broader than than just real estate, but do you have that aspect of it? Going back to the the professor, I mean, he basically had the Instagram effect on you, right? Like he flashed that check, right, <laughs> in real life, <laughs> whereas what a lot of people do today, right, and and kind of get you into that want to figure out, hey, how did you get that? Did he explain how he even got that check by chance? Yeah, no, absolutely. Like, uh, you know, his class would get so full that mm-hmm. people would just come and sit down. They're not even registered. Oh wow! Um, oh, wow! They would just stand in his class because he has so many just uh, ideas and experience that i mean again it, it changed my life and it was i mean i'm just joking about the ten thousand dollar check but it was just a lot of things i mean a lot of things he, uh, that he said and, and did it wasn't book learning it was uh, more like real life you can actually apply out there you know what i'm saying in the real world but yeah you know the, the interesting about thing about real estate is there's so many ways to make money. I didn't realize that there was a class for real estate, like a college course. I know that there was like companies that did it so you could like get your license and stuff, but I didn't know that you could like minor in it, you know, in real estate. That's that's pretty awesome. Yeah, I don't, not honestly, yeah, that's a good point because I don't know a lot of other universities that offer real estate classes. Although it ended up being a really expensive way to get a real estate license because you can get the same ones from like Champion. Oh, uh, sure. Or like, I don't know, a hundredth of the, t- hundredth of the cost. Yeah. Right. But uh, yeah, I mean, it was great. Where are you based out of when you kind of, you went to college in Dallas or? Uh, North Texas. In North Texas. Okay. Okay. The Eagles, and... baby. <laughs> <laughs> How did you kind of dive into your first, um, I guess, throw at real estate? I mean, was it, you know, was it rentals? Was it single family? How did you kind of head your way into it? Yeah. So I, I did actually buy a condo like uh, that I lived in in uptown Dallas for myself mm-hmm. when I was still in corporate. And then, you know, I wanted to get my feet wet. So uh, I did actually buy a little house for like $28,000. The first, I just had to do like very minor repairs to it. It was, it was in Fair Park, you know, Fifth Ward in comparison to Houston. Yeah. So yeah. Now, now, now 28,000 makes sense. I'm like, oh, that's a- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it was a really good deal because the house was in relatively good condition. Foundation, roof, all that stuff was good. It just, all I had to do was take out the carpets. You know, the funny thing about the older houses are 
if you take out the carpet, there's actually hardwood floors, like nice mm. hardwood floors. I think in some town in the 60s or early 70s, they were like, oh, carpet's better. Of course, you know, everybody was getting high then too, but. <laughs> Bo, if, if, if you think 28000 was a good deal back then, what do you think it is now? <laughs> right. Oh, man. Uh, a good deal now. That's a really good question. A good deal now there would be like seventy-five to 80000 Exactly. Wow. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, I got my feet wet there. And after I got married, I decided, fuck corporate. I'm out. <laughs> so, wow. again, I, I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for my wife, for all the love and support. Thanks, honey. Uh, <laughs> You're a good man. Let me ask you about the timeline. So, you went to school. You had your first taste of real estate by that class that you took mm -hmm. and you know, just to get the little itch right you got out of school you went into corporate you bought a place for yourself so that's kind of like your own real estate you're not renting it out but it's like something you own in the mix of that you bought this twenty eight thousand dollar property in a hoodish area hood adjacent yeah. and so you got that journey so, so going back to that what was the drive to do that was it because of the class and you're like hey i know this is the way to build wealth so i'm gonna at least try my luck and see what happens like did you use a realtor like what did you do like what did that first step look like for you man i don't know if we have enough time to really talk about all the details because i will tell a long story <laughs> but to keep a long story short i was djing at uh you know bars in uptown and mm -hmm. one of the managers and i mike Shout out to Mike Law. <laughs> we hit it off real well. And he's like, he's a hustler. So he was like, oh, yeah, man, I'm, you know, I'm trying to buy, pick up properties kind of in the same, you know, wavelength. Okay. And so him and I just went driving around a fair part of the neighborhoods and looked for signs, you know, like we buy houses or house for sale or whatever it may be. And yeah, we saw a sign outside the house. We called it and negotiated the deal and just got it done. No realtor, nothing, nobody else. Wow. Involved within a year after I bought my condo. But yeah, the, the goal is, was to just build a portfolio. But then it was like 2008, 2008 yeah. hit. And, you know, just, I got laid off. So I wasn't able to buy more properties. It was on hold. Real estate was on hold. I got married. Fast forward. And then I was like, I gotta, I gotta do something. I didn't have a lot of money saved up at all. Mm -hmm. uh, credit was good. You know, when you don't have a lot of capital, you, you really kind of, uh, What's the word? Make it enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I had I had to make it enough. Uh, right. So yeah, I bought my first property for eleven thousand dollars. So so you did the the one the twenty eight thousand dollar one. You had that, and then there was a bit of a break, and then the next yeah. one was eleven thousand dollars. Yeah. So that was like a straight teardown. Like I mean, oh, if you okay. look, there's no plumbing. It was a straight up trap house. I mean, it was oh, a wow. it was a crack house. They had, uh, you know, the screen doors to like push out the drugs and take the money. And then in the middle of the house, there's a, there's a hole in the ground. So you lift up the carpet and you can just stuff whatever, you know, cause it's a pyramid wow. house. It was wild. I mean, just looking back, I'm just, I'm just amazed that I was able to pull that off. Let me ask like, why, why, why would you see that house and say, I'm going to buy that and make that run? Like, was the surrounding area getting better? Like, what was the drive to say, you know what, I'm going to. I'm going to go for it. Or was it just like, no, this is a good deal. This is all I could afford. Like, like, what was the mindset of, of saying, yes, I'm going with this house? The, the latter. I, I don't have a lot. I just got to, I got to make it enough. I, I'm trying yeah. to make a dollar out of 15 cents, basically. Right. right? <laughs> Again, when you, when you're buying a house for that much, you're not going to get a loan anywhere. Because nobody's going to give you a loan for a crack house <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> to fix up with, with no experience. 
So yeah, I had to I had to leverage my credit. And, you know, I was just uh, putting everything on my credit card, and then uh, man, somehow, some way, I got it to work. I uh, renovated it, foundation, the whole nine yards. Uh, the video is actually online uh, if you Google the York project, Bow Single. Not the best quality video, but you'll get the gist of it. Let me ask you a question. So you said you bought the home using like credit cards, right? Like, did you ever have the fear that you didn't have enough money to fund the renovation piece of it? Because obviously it's in a dilapidated condition, right? So it's got to take a, probably more than 11,000, I assume, to kind of fix it, right? So like, how, how did you kind of frame your, your finances for that? Well, first I want to say, I still worry about not having enough money. It's <laughs> <laughs> an ongoing process. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, man. I mean, going into it, I didn't have any contract. I mean, I had literally nothing lined up. Like I was just like, Hey, you know what? This is a, this is a low risk. It's $11,000 worst case. I mean, it was pretty calculated if you think about it. Cause yeah, I mean, land value alone, even if I had to tear this house down, mm. who the fuck cares? It's $11,000. Right? right. But yeah, I took the risk. I found a contractor willing to help me out. And uh, man, like there was so much trash that came out of that house. We didn't, we, I couldn't afford a dumpster even. And wow. so I had a, I had to run a U-Haul and we loaded that thing up like two or three times and took it to the, to the landfill ourselves. I mean, we have a hands-on experience. Right. <laughs> you know what that really highlights Silvo? Like, I mean, I think we talk about it a lot is that the podcast, again, I always say it's called guts and grind, right? I mean, you literally find like the grind to you, whether there's a will, there's a way, right? Like, yeah, I mean, right, you, right. I mean, cause a dumpster can run you whatever per, you know, square footage of, of trash that they're going to pull out of there. Right. And they'll charge you on weight and all this stuff. But, you know, you guys went and said, Hey, I'm going to go to U-Haul, rent a tour mm -hmm. for, let's just say $19 a day or whatever it is. Right. right. And, and you can just, you know, do the same thing. Right. I mean, you're just hauling to the landfill anyway. So it may take a couple extra trips, but you know, like minimizing your costs, it, it really highlights, hey, if you get creative, you can get right. in on the game on the real estate side anywhere, right? I mean, you, you bought a, a piece of property on credit cards, you know? I mean, like, right. yeah, I bought like five properties on credit cards. <laughs> oh, wow, really? Golly, yeah, that's I mean, you know, again, it's uh, Visa is watching, uh, you didn't hear any of this from me. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, again, you, you gotta figure it out, right? When you're, yeah. when you're when you got a will, like you said, you got a will, there's, you're going to find a way. And, uh, you know, you get all these credit cards that have the promotionals, you know, like you do a 3% balance transfer, blah, blah, 0% interest for 18 months. I was really leveraging that. And again, in hindsight, man, I saved a ton, a ton, a ton of money because you think about how much you're paying in closing costs and, yeah. uh, you know, just interest even alone, even if it's like a four, four and a half percent interest rate, I was basically paying just a 3% interest rate one time. So, I mean, I saved a ton of money doing that as well, right? So, if again, you have to get creative. I mean, if you if you can't, I'm much more comfortable now. So, I'm a little bit more like, okay, just I don't want the headache. Just take care of it. But You're man, sure. yeah. it was it was it was guts. It was grinds. I love it, man, because it's even with money. We talk about this, right? Like it's so. I think we've talked about in past episodes, like the last decade for us was, you know, we had low interest rates, right? Like, so we can leverage loans and banks and things like that, right? So now the interest rates are, are not super high. They're they're a higher, right? They're double what they were before, but it scares a lot of people from buying property and things like that. But, you know, but if you think outside of the box, right? Like things like, 
I'm not saying put a whole $300,000 house on a credit card, but you know, like, <laughs> but if, if it's, you know, like this is the creative aspect of it, right? If you can leverage money for 18 months at 0% on a credit card, right. And float it and then find an ultimate long-term debt to kind of to cover it. I mean, that's, that's creative. That's, that's, yeah. you know, making it happen and making it work within what, what your, what your means are. So that's, that's really cool, man. I'm not saying it's it's pretty risky, riskier than yeah. normal, but you know, you've got comfortable off of it and now you've kind of, you know, built off of that, right? You've that house is probably worth what now? It's probably over a hundred thousand easily. I right? sold that house. You know, I'm not trying to brag, but I I sold that house last six months or eight months ago for two hundred and twenty five thousand. Wow. Eleven thousand to two hundred something thousand? Two hundred and twenty five thousand. What was your all in on that though? No, 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 not that one. Shoot. Actually, I apologize. I still have that house, but it's worth 225,000. Oh, wow. The, the house that I bought for 28,000, I just sold for 225,000. Oh, wow. Dude, that's awesome. But I mean, what? that whole area is gentrifying, man. I mean, you know, it was kind of like the risk was relatively low because when you're on the ground level, there's only one way to go up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Let me ask, you buy it on credit card. You had 18 months to figure it out. Did you roll that into like refinance that into a traditional loan or did you kill the payment? Like what, what did you do? Yeah. So I think you had asked a question about the construction as well. It ended up costing me about 20, 20 or 21 grand to get it done. I was basically into it for about 35 and then I was running it out for like six fifty, which is still not bad at all. Cause I was still sure. getting like a 28 to 30% ROI, which is yeah. unreal. Unbelievable. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So, uh, I, you know, I, obviously I paid the contractor for labor in cash and then I leveraged uh, credit cards for, you know, materials and all the other right. stuff. And I would just pay it off as much as I could every month. It's not like I'm paying the minimal. I'm trying to pay up as much as I can. Yeah. So at the end of that 12 months, I'm not going to have the whole $35,000. Yeah. I'll have maybe, I don't know, 18000 which is not bad. Then right. you roll that over to another one. Oh, oh, that's Zero so you percent. never you never played with the banks like you never or I in could. this scenario, you never played with the banks. You're just like, I'm gonna roll it to the next card, make that payment, take advantage of the low interest rate, roll it again. Like how many times would you do that? Oh, I did it like five or six times, man. Oh, wow. That's brilliant. That, that That's a smart move. Like to be able to, especially when the when the cost is so low, you're talking about you're all in. You have the house renovated, labor's done, materials are bought for thirty five thousand. Like yeah. that, that makes sense. You know, like that's, that's awesome. I did that about like six times. That probably bought you about, I'd say, eat, let's just say each credit card is probably what a year on a special interest rate or something like that. Right. So it probably right. bought you like close to five years of, you know, 0% interest. Yeah. And the important thing is, and a lot of people don't realize you got to leverage your credit. I mean, sure. you know, yeah. so even, even now, like, uh, I'm giving away a lot, but I still, you know, call my credit cards up and like, hey, uh, can you increase my line of credit? I'm yeah. not using it. I'm not using it, but you never know when a deal yeah. makes that you're like, oh, I have, you know, way too much cash put into another deal. I need to pull some money out because I can't let this deal get away. You got to always, always be thinking about like round, round circle. That's so cool. Did you walk into it knowing that that was the plan or were you in it and then you said, Oh snap, I'm running out of time. Let me find another way to roll this over. Or like, did you walk into it knowing like, all right, I got this that credit was, card. That was, that was the plan. That was the plan. That was the plan. So from the beginning, you're like, all right, I'm going to float this, you know, low interest rate. And then I'm going to find another low interest rate to roll into and eventually well, pay it off. 
it's actually zero interest rate, right? Yeah. I mean, because yeah. it's only a one-time three percent interest. Right. Of course, right. my wife wasn't so excited about it at the time. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, man, again, she was uh, such a boss. Since, since you're mentioning that, what did it take to get her on board? Like, what was the conversation? Did she like, because, you know, it's one thing to say, oh, I have a supportive wife. But like, there had to have been some type of work done ahead of time to prep her for it. You know, like people have spouses that maybe won't be that comfortable. And like, there's always a way, like, you, see, you know, there's always a way to make it work. But what are the things to do to make that person comfortable? I mean, you know, each person is different. She's a brilliant, brilliant woman. She's actually really business savvy too. She may not think so. It took a while, man. It took a while to kind of explain and kind of get her on board. But I think she realized like, uh, I'm not going back to corporate. So I'm going to do this. And uh, she knows my personality is like, when I put my mind on something, that's it. I'm I'm in it. She was a little reluctant. Like, uh, do you think you should just get a job too and do this on the side? Right, but right. No. <laughs> but well, you kind of prove yourself because you said before you had you got married, you had your condo and you had that that first property you had. That, that was just when you're single, right? I was single, but I mean, you know, going from having a corporate job and you know passively investing to full time investing in a yeah. in what seems to be like a really high risk low return environment to a completely different things, you know, and, and any investor that's out there listening, you have one or two houses, it doesn't feel like you're getting a whole lot. It's going to be it's going to be a struggle, but anything worth it is a struggle. After five, you start seeing a little like breathing room, you're like, right. Okay, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing a little bit. After 10, that's when you can really start like making moves. And right. you're like, Okay, I'm here. Let's 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 do this now. The whole after ten making moves is it because you have equity in these house these ten houses where you can pull it, like, or is it more of a confidence thing? Like, like what does that unpack that a little bit for me as far as like ten is the marker to where, where you feel you can make bigger moves? Yeah. So I mean, it's kind of all of the above, right? Because mm -hmm. by ten, your cash you should be cash flowing pretty well. By ten, you've kind of proven the concept of what you're doing. You've right. got a lot of experience at this point, right? So you know, you have your finances in order, uh, you have experiences, you have contractors. I mean, you know the game and you're comfortable yeah. with it at that time, right? Kind of like any business. We have some friends that own like 20 dental clinics mm -hmm. that they built themselves yeah. from the ground up and they did it in like the last 12, 13 years. And they're younger yeah. than me. You know, some, <laughs> people just, some people just get it. They, they yeah. find a formula, they, they perfect it, and then they can duplicate it. Yeah, I, th I think you're right. Once you scale to a certain level, right? Like obviously you've found the the rhythm of it, right? And not just that, but the actual formula, right? That makes it work. And then you also have, you know, the risk is also minimized because you have more properties that can offset other ones that are probably not doing well, things like that, right? So with that said though, like what's the portfolio look like? Are you still focusing on res single family residents or are you kind of changed like demographics or are you still in the Dallas area? What, what What's that look like? So we're still, I mean, you know, because last three, four years has been tough because the interest rates were so low. It was a seller's market. Not a lot of like deals out there. Long-term is definitely... We're going to keep continuing to buy residential, right? Because again, that's the only true way to get financial independence. We kind of took a break three, four years ago because yeah, there was seller's market and then we bought a food truck. So I was kind of busy with that, but we're still kind of passively picking up whatever deals that may come across that makes sense. And, and are you picking up deals? Is it on market, off market? You're going to wholesalers? Like what, what does that look like as far as like your your funnel? So, you know, wholesalers, they sound, it sounds like it's going to be really equitable, but it's not. 
Because, you know, especially like the, the more seasoned wholesalers, their margins are a lot lower. And it, initially it was, it was wholesalers that I was getting the deals from. So, you mm-hmm. know, when you drive around and you see those, those signs, like we buy ugly houses or whatever, yeah. I was calling them I'm like, Hey, uh, put me on the list, put me on the list, put me on oh, the list. Right. And so, yeah, I mean, I was, I was able to pick up a lot of those houses in Fair Park because of those wholesalers. But as they build their investor portfolio, they have more and more investors to to buy from. Instead of getting a a, a house from them for sixty or a deal from them for sixty five cents on the margin, you're getting it more for like seventy five to eighty. Which there's no meat on there anymore, right? So you might as well just go, you know, kind of look for the properties yourself, or you know, you find distressed sales, right? Like yeah. uh, people that are just needing to get rid of a house i know you're in the houston area right now like you reside in the houston area and you were saying that these properties are in dallas is it primarily still in dallas are you in houston as well like what markets are you in right now so we're still yeah predominantly in dallas one of my neighbors and i my uh Tadal partner we bought a house in humble because he he really wanted to kind of get into the real estate game too but yeah mm-hmm. all of our stuff is in dallas we have a management company that handles all the nice based stuff because oh, nice. i'm lazy <laughs> no no I, I i i'm a huge advocate of property management now i feel yeah. like it's just to grow like to free up your mind so you could you know worry about acquisitions like let someone else deal with the day-to-day how soon did you join did you like sign up with the property management company like how many after how many houses oh after my first tenant at that twenty-eight thousand dollar house <laughs> really oh, oh, wow. You know, I mean, like exactly what you said, you can't scale if you're always invested, you're investing your time into this demand, right? Yeah. And when you're dealing with houses, for you, it's it's a business. For you, it's just a property. Mm-hmm. For the tenant, that's their home, you know? So it was really important to me to get emotionally away from that. That helped a lot. And I was just like, okay, you're late. Like, uh, that's fine. Just catch up in like another five days. Right. <laughs> another five days comes. Yeah. You know, you know, you know the drill. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Let me ask you a question about the actual management company. How did you shop those guys around? Or did you like do a intense vetting or like, is there anything that you wanted out of these guys? Like, I mean, that's, that's something that we don't usually kind of dive into. Like how did, how did you kind of land on a, a good management? So group? for me, the decision was really easy because nobody else would manage properties down there. <laughs> so yeah, I called, <laughs> I called and called and they're like, uh, where's the property? Fair park? No, yeah, yeah. We don't, we don't, we don't have that. You know anybody else? No, you don't know. So I finally found Morrison Management and uh, I've all, yeah, I've been with them for ever since day one. Yeah. Shout out to Morrison Management. And you're still with them. That's, that's, I'm that's still with them. I'm still with so, them. So I mean, it says something about them, like that they're able to, you know, do things correctly and like make sure you're getting paid on time and all that stuff. Like that's awesome. Yeah. You know, and not to badmouth them, they've been great. I really kind of, I'm still with my type A personality. I really use them more of like for admin. So they'll do uh, all the paperwork, evictions, leases, all that stuff. And if it's like a repair that's like under $150, so the tenants will call them, of course, hey, there's a leak under the sink. They'll send their guy out. And if it's $150 or around there, I'll just, okay, take care of it. Mm -hmm. If it's anything a little bit more intensive, then I'm like, whoa, 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 hold on. Let me me send one of my guys out there to really assess what's going on. You know, you'll hear horror stories about management companies in business to make money too, right? Uh, so they necessarily won't care how much the repair costs. They're not going to like nickel and dime or try to save every little penny for you. Sure. No, that's fair. That's something I'm, I'm not struggling with, but like trying to figure out as well, because like I have a property management team that I know and trust, so I don't worry about them, but there's an, uh, other teams that I'm like, ah, 
what are y'all doing? Like, is it really the cost? Like what's going on? You know? So it's, it's a fine line because you want to disconnect yourself, but at the same time you can't fully disconnect because you have to, you know, keep your, keep, keep your finger on the pulse, right? Like see what's going on. Know, know what things are supposed to cost. And when you get a bill, at least dispute it, right? Like if, if you don't feel right about it. Yeah. I mean, and again, a lot of what I'm taking away from the houses that I did, the rehab is I know how much, how long it should take to sure. repair something or, you know, how long, uh, how much it should cost to do drywall. You can't bullshit a bullshitter. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I don't know if I'm getting ahead of myself, but I just want, I'm curious, like what's the plans for the next one to three to five years? Like, is it more the same? Are you trying to get into different markets or, you know, different property types maybe? Because it seems like right now it's all single family homes, right? Yeah. And in regards to real estate, we're, you know, again, just looking for more passive stuff. I'm not flipping anymore at all. We're actually, one of my other business partners and I, Jerry, we bought like 15 or 16 lots in the Fair Park area. And so we're going to build, we're going to build from the ground up. We're just holding up right wow. now as the values are going up. But as far as flipping goes, I'm done with flipping. After we build these, you know, we're going to just continue to buy like single family homes where we can find a good deal. The next two years anyways, we're in the process of building a restaurant. And then uh, we just launched the the Tadao, the tech company. So I'm not as involved in real estate as I was before. Sure. But not to say that it's it's still it's still always going to be there for me. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Because I, I, that's one thing I like about real estate because you could push the gas or you could let up on the gas as much as you want as far as your own involvement, right? Like with, with real estate, you have the ability to hire a property management company and just talk to one person and say, hey, is everything okay? All right, good. You, you could you could hire a CEO and say, hey, I want you to be my acquisition manager and start acquiring properties and we have this much funds. And blah. But you have the ability to do all that stuff and it gives you the time freedom to be able to do all these things that you're doing, right? Like it seems like you got a lot of uh, plates spinning, you know what I mean? Like that's uh, that's awesome. Yeah, it's my ADD for sure. (laughs) (laughs) That's yeah. Again, it goes back to financial independence. You know, I got my agency license as well. If I, you know, if you're a realtor, it's like a job. You got to be out there like hustling hard, right? But because of the rental properties, that passive income, you have a lot more time to be able to get into other businesses. Name another investment other than like you know, like a CD or something, where you can just put money in and just be like, okay. I'm, 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 I'm going to be good. Yeah, man. You're preaching to the choir, dude. I, real estate's kind of like, once I figured it out, I was like, wow, there's nothing else like this. And I'm sure there's other, there's definitely other ways to make money. You know, you could do the stock market, you could do all these different things, start different businesses. But like I said before, like the ability to tank it up or pull it back as, as, as you see fit, like, Hey, you know, this is my personality and this is what I want to do. And I could implement that in my, in my real estate business. Right. I mean like passive, you know, stock investors, they're still watching like C-SPAN or, you know, all these, all these stock shows all day, all day long. Like, right, right. The TV. Yeah. 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 No, st- stocks are way too volatile. I mean, if anybody says anything wrong or, you know, any big, big name says, you know, spouts off anything and news wise, they can turn the market, right? Elon says one thing, boom, market goes the other way. Right. So, I mean, there's, right. I think that's way too volatile. I mean, with, with real estate, at least the thing is, for a shift in the market, it's going to take time, right? If it's going to go down, it's going to take months at least to kind of go down, right? Or if it's going to go up, it's going to take months. So that transition is a little bit more, we can palette that a little bit better, right? So no, it's it's all good. You know, everybody has been screaming for over a decade now, Texas is in a, is in a bubble, Texas is in a bubble. Where do you guys think we're at now? Like since now the interest rates are a little bit higher, it's a little bit more of a buyer's market. Is that bubble going to pop? I personally- Is there, I, is there I, a bubble I, and is it going to pop? 
I don't think so. There may be a small bubble. We're not talking about 08 or anything like that. In my head, I think the prices are where they're going to stay. I mean, they may take a slight dip, but I don't see it like tanking or anything like that. I, if anything, I think what's probably going to happen is the commercial side's probably going to take a bigger bigger hit than the residential. But I, as far as bubble goes, I think the bubble's going to happen on that commercial side. It, it, that's in my head. But other than that, I mean, the the way inflation is and how costs have been driven up and money's been printed, the costs are here to stay. And I feel like everybody's coming to Texas for the the, the yeah. cost of living and it's they've driven the price up plus the economy. I don't think it's going to go down. It's It may take, like I said, a slight dip, but it's not, yeah, I don't see a bubble. I, I agree with Sidhu. It's kind of like, even in 08, when you think about 08, the markets that got hit the most were like the Californias, the New Yorks, the, I think Vegas got hit pretty bad. Like Houston got hit, but I, I remember I bought my first house in 08. Like we got married and we bought a house and then everything went down. And I think we dropped like $20,000 in our value. So it wasn't like this major, like, oh, we lost 50% of our equity, you know, like we're underwater. It was nothing like that for us personally. So I, I don't know how it was for the rest of the Houston market, but I felt like generally speaking, prices didn't dip so much. The only thing different I'm seeing now is this influx of outside money coming into Texas. That's a little bit scary because it makes it tougher to to be uh, competitive when, you, when you're doing your pricing, like when you're trying to make purchases and stuff like that. But even then, like, uh, I still feel like there's so much opportunity, like to kind of like what you were saying, like being creative, like you figured out a way to, you know, take 15 cents and make a dollar out of it. Right. And I feel like with our laws here and, you know, the, the ability to it, it's very landlord friendly. You have the ability to to make things happen for yourself here as opposed to different different cities. So I'm not too worried about it. I do agree with Sidhu with the whole commercial side. I would love to get a commercial property. But even when you're looking like I get to work from home. And there's hundreds of thousands of people that get to work from home, right? So I see the decline of like having office spaces and stuff like that. And it might, it might turn into something else, right? Because people are creative and they figured out like, hey, we're, we're going to use this for something else. So I want to keep my finger on the pulse to know like, oh, this looks like an opportunity. Let's dive in. But as far as the bubble, I'm, to be, I'm not too worried about it. Like, I don't think anything's popping. I don't think there really is a bubble. And, and I don't think it, in 08, that's, uh, the difference between 08 and now is 08 was really because of bad mortgages, right? They, yeah. they wrote a bunch of bad mortgages, right? And just gave money to whoever. And that was the underlying premise, what, what tanked 08, right? So I don't see anything like that now because they're so strict on getting, giving loans. I mean, you see, it takes the process to get a, a loan now is, is insane, right? So, so I think well, that it's a combination of bad loans and then that and then the, the economy tank, right? So there was like so many layoffs. But my concern is, you know, over the last, especially five years, where it's been such a seller's market where buyers have been going in and paying cash. So let's just say to keep it simple, a hundred thousand dollar house, the appraisal comes back and it's a hundred thousand dollars. The seller's like, eh, I'll still want 120. Buyers were paying that extra twenty thousand dollars, right? Yeah. So for me, for me, that's false inflation. So my thing is, yeah, if the economy slows down and people start getting laid off, man, it's gonna be even bigger than two thousand eight. Possibly, mm. because now you got got that extra twenty thousand dollars on top of the what the value actually should be. That's right? true, but but I feel like the market's going to level itself out because days on market's going to be a thing, right? Like it's going to be these houses are going to just sit there on the market for months on months on months. I've seen properties like I don't know why, but they're there for like a hundred days. Like it's crazy to me, but it's because they have this feeling of like, no, I bought it for this much, and I'm not going to go under. I'm not going to go under, right? But there's going to be a breaking point, like with, to what you were saying, 
if people lose their jobs or if they have to move or if they're like under the gun, they really have to sell, like prices are going to drop. Like it's just, it's inevitable, you know? And I think a lot of people, I think we're going to see a lot of that. If, if it's not already happening, I think a lot of people are going to lose a lot of equity. Yeah. Yeah. It's unfortunate, but it's also, I hate saying it like this, but it's opportunity, you know, like yeah. when, when, when people like, these are the times where people that have saved and kind of sat on the sidelines with a little bit of cash, they could say, all right, I see the price dropping. Let me swoop in. And, and, and to some extent you're helping them out, right? Instead of you going into foreclosure, let me just buy it for this, this price. Right. No, uh, you, you hit it right on the nose. So when I was in insurance, I, I did a uh, special lines and uh, we did motorcycle claims. And I would get one fatality a week. Oh, wow. Like one fatality a week. And just uh, like it really kind of mentally drains you. Yeah. But whenever you're actually talking to family, you're like, oh, man, like, do I want to talk to them? Whatever, mm. blah, blah, blah. They're just going through this life changing, you know, uh, experience. But they were genuinely happy to hear from you because they needed the money. Yeah. So stress sales, it sounds very predatory. But like you said, those people need help, right? Yeah. They need a way out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they, need a, they need a way out. So you got to really kind of go into it thinking, yeah, I am helping somebody out and have that kind of good energy rather than, oh, hey, I have an opportunity to take advantage of somebody. Right. Right. I, I say it's an opportunity because it is an opportunity, but it's not an opportunity to be a bad person. It's an opportunity right. to just like assess the situation and say, hey, I know you need to exit. Let's figure out a deal where we could work together and that way you could walk away without a, a big cut in your pocket, right? Like, you know, you're still getting some money in your pocket and I still get a good deal. Like there's so many scenarios where there's a win-win-win, right? There doesn't have to be a loser in this, right? No, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm a firm believer of everybody on the table needs to be happy. Sure. Yeah, and and going back to the market, I mean, we can't, the other thing with real estate is, <laughs> listen, if you're getting into the game and worried about dips and downs, I mean, you know the market's going to go down and up anyway. If you look at the overall trajectory, right, let's just say it does take a dip, right? I mean, you get good deals, right? If you're if you're trying to get into off the sidelines and get into the game, and then hopefully when it does pick back up, then you're up on the upside again, right? So in my eyes, I mean, you can't predict the future, but you know, the money sitting in the bank is not doing you any good either. It's got to work for you. So me getting a nickel off of my 50,000 that's sitting in the bank account is, you know, it's not worth it for me. So <laughs> seriously, you know. like to, to the same point where I was saying, like we bought a house in 08 and it dropped in value, like 20,000. It didn't affect me negatively because we weren't moving. We didn't sell the house. Right. And so actually I benefited because now my tax basis was lower too. Right. And so I still have this house to that day, right? I mean, to this day, I still I still own that property and it's increased in value. So like time is your best friend in the real estate world, in my opinion, right? As, as long as you can ride the wave and you're not in a rush to sell a property, you can't really get too hurt, you know? Things can so, always happen, right? So yeah, no, absolutely right. I think I think the bigger thing is you got to have a plan, right? Like, yeah. uh, you know, going into it, everybody's like, oh yeah, like real estate, I'm going to make money, I'm going to make money. Uh, it's not always the case. If you really kind of think about it, real estate, it, it can be a pretty bad investment because a lot of people are like, hey, I'm going to buy this property and it's going to go up. It, well, it may not go up because the first five years, you're really, what are you paying? You're paying interest on the yeah. market. You're paying taxes. You're paying insurance. So if you sell it and make a $8,000 profit, yeah. you're still losing money. <laughs> right, right. Because a lot of people, they don't calculate like how much you spent, like just 
to nothing to the bank. You're right. It's it's also, you know, investment like, yeah, I mean, real estate's not for everybody, right? Like if you're 65, 70, which I'm not saying you can't invest it at 65, 70, but if you're looking for a short win, that may not be the right avenue, right? But if you're right. if you have a little bit more of a runway to build, you know, 10 to 15 years of hold time then yeah, obviously you can make some money on the end of that, right? Some Hopefully some equity out of it and some appreciation. But um, yeah, I think everybody has to assess their own. It, it's the same thing. If, if you don't have money to put to a down payment, then you know real estate may be tough for you to kind of break into. Not, not to say that you can't, because you're obviously a story that... <laughs> You know, <laughs> that made it work without without the down payment, right? It's about knowing yourself, knowing what you can handle and knowing how you can get into the project as well as, you know, how, how can you ultimately succeed out of it, right? Like whatever your plan is. And if you if you don't have that in place, you know, like for instance, you can take the credit card debt, but if you don't know what happens after that year, introductory 0% is done. Yeah. Dude, you're going to, you're going to get railed with a 40%, 30% interest rate now, you know? Right. <laughs> right. That's right. There goes, there goes your, all your cash flow. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. like it's, you have to be smart, right? Like, I mean, all of it is, I think boils down ultimately to the numbers, right? And if the numbers don't work out, real estate can be a fail. Absolutely. And I'll, I'll be the first to say that on here. So it's just, you have to run the numbers and the importance of that, I can't stress enough, right? And mm -hmm. and you have to be able to tolerate that. Otherwise, it can be stressful. You're just, you know, you're completely stressing yourself out. On that note, if you had to start all over, like, would you change anything? Like, what would you do if, if you were talking to a version of yourself that's that's just starting out? What type of advice would you give them? Wow, that's a that's a good question. I mean, it's... <laughs> It's hard to say because here I'm, I'm sitting here, right? Like uh, I am comfortable. So I feel like the younger me definitely made the right decisions. Just be more patient, really. Mm. Right. Just be more patient and, uh, you know, don't be afraid to fail. Right. Because cool. a lot of people are like, oh, I'm going to lose money and this and that, blah, blah, blah. You know, you spend a lot of money going to college and you go out and get a, you know, $35,000 job. Yeah. That's probably not a really good investment, right? <laughs> so if you if you lose a little bit of money in investing, real estate, whatever it may be, take it as experience, take it as a education, right? So I would I would definitely tell myself that looking back. It, I love the don't be afraid to fail. That's one of the yeah. models I live by now, right? Not when I was twenty. I probably should have, right? And and because if you don't fail, you don't learn, right? Right. And if you you got to make those mistakes, I think. The mistakes, those lumps you earn, right? Like that, that makes you stronger down the line. So I, I love that, man. That's key for, I think, a lot of people in, in a lot of industries. And it's just a matter of like, hey, it's only a mistake and it's only a fail. It's only a loss if you don't take anything away from it. Like, right. why did, why did it fail? Why did you lose money? Where did you lose money? If you can figure that out, then the next one is going to be so much better and you're setting yourself up for success. Right. Absolutely. Education, just educating yourself. Absolutely, man. You know, Vote, thank you again. I know we're kind of wrapping down to the end of the, the interview. Appreciate your time. How can people, I know you, you got a couple of projects. If you want to, you know, spitfire that now and, and give people on how, how they can connect with you and some of your projects you're working on, feel free to. And we'll put it in the show notes as well. Oh, I appreciate that. So if you're in the Dallas area, Google best food truck in Dallas. It'll be Tacos, Bites and Beats. Go check us out on uh, Urban Boulevard. We have a taqueria. Business partner, Jorge. Shout out Jorge Castellanos, my man. Dude, best tacos in Dallas, hands down. I'll put them up against anything. Trying to open up a restaurant in the Cedars called Dulce Nina. Dulce is Jorge's wife's name. Oh. And Nina is my wife's name. 
So we're named the restaurant after our uh, our wives. That out hopefully fall of 23. And then Tadao, if you need a DJ, you can get one virtually. I can actually DJ anywhere in the world just from here using our platform. But yeah, man, if it wasn't for real estate, I wouldn't be able to do all that. That's yeah. so cool, man. I love that you're staying busy because like some people would just be like, hey, let me just ride into the sunset. I got I got my real estate money. It's kind of I feel like it's good to stay busy and try new things, you know, explore new things. So that's food truck, a restaurant to now like a tech, a tech, I would call it a tech company. I know it's a DJ, but Absolutely. it's a tech company. And then real estate as well. Like that's, that's huge, man. And it's awesome to, you know, keep it busy. Like that's really cool. Yeah. I'm like, what other industry do, am I, do I need to add to my portfolio? Too? <laughs> I mean, you, you've knocked off like the biggest ones, man. You have yeah, exactly. real estate and uh, the food industry, you know? Food, so yeah. I don't always drink Dos Equis, but when I do. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, that, show, that, that shows the drive that you've had and, and the passion you have for what you do. And uh, thanks again for sharing your story. Again, welcome back anytime. And, uh, you know, appreciate the time. You know, for those of you guys okay, listening out there. Back off to you guys for, for taking the time out of your busy lives to to do a podcast. Because, you know, there, there goes there's a lot of time and dedication involved into trying to help other people. A lot of people don't recognize that this is helping them, right? Sure. Even though I love looking at y'all's beautiful faces, <laughs> you know, a lot of times you're like, oh, fuck, I got to look at a podcast. No, man, like hats off to you guys for, for for doing this. And I appreciate you guys having me. Thanks for those words, man. Like I say this a lot, but like, I feel like the generation before us got rich quietly, you know, and, and that's fine. Like it's okay to get rich quietly, but I feel like there's enough to go around. And like, if we could just share our knowledge, like, Sidhu and I aren't, aren't pretending to know it all. Like, you know, we don't have all the answers, but we have a little bit. Like, we have a little bit of knowledge that we just wanted to share. And then we know that we have people in our community that we could reach out to and say, hey, share a little bit more. Give us a little bit of your story because I know I've benefited a lot from that. So I appreciate you acknowledging that, man. That's awesome. Thank you. And I mean, you know, again, a lot of people have made a lot of mistakes and lost a lot of time and money doing it. So if we're able to help other people not make the same mistakes, that's where it's really at, man. You're, yeah. you're right on the nose. Our parents made their money real quietly because they had the stigma of bad luck or whatever it may be, that's right? True. But yeah, I think I think there's a lot of value in, in sending positive energy out there in the world and receiving it. Absolutely. Nice, With that said, well, thank you again. And for those of you guys listening, you know, like us, follow us, subscribe, subscribe to some of the things that Bo is working on, and uh, we will see you in the next episode. Thanks, guys. Wait, at live Instagram, follow us. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Awesome, man. Good plug. All right, brothers. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to Guts and Grind with Siju and Sajin. Be sure to tune in next time.